Welcome back to another episode of the Freelance Friday podcast. There have been so many wild stories coming out about all of these different social media platforms. So let's sit down and talk through some of the headlines in today's episode. First up, we've got to talk about threads. Last time we spoke, we talked about threads and how it was the big new thing and how many people were positioning it to really overtake Twitter. Well, some of us may have spoken too soon, although I still have my personal thoughts and feelings about it. TechCrunch reports that Threads is indeed losing steam. They say the paper reports the number of daily active users on Threads dropped for the second week down to 13 million, a 70% decline from a July 7th high point. By comparison, Twitter's daily active users are around 200 million. So it's pretty safe to say that threads, this is Instagram's kind of Twitter competitor. If you haven't heard of it, uh, this platform still has a ways to go if it wants to really be a, a key competitor for Twitter. This Mashable article covered, I think my thoughts and a lot of people's thoughts really, really well by sharing some of the wish list features that a lot of users are wanting. They mention a timeline upgrade, which they did come out with just recently. If you click on the threads icon in your app now, you should have the ability to view your timeline by people you follow or by that algorithmic feed that they first came out with, which is a major upgrade and I think has improved a lot of users' experience. But there's more that people want, like a web or desktop version and hashtags or some type of search feature, right? These things are all not currently present on threads. Threads is basically a bare bones version of Twitter. And I think on, you know, day one, weekend one, it was really exciting. It was fresh. It was new for people. But now that that sort of novelty has worn off, I think the absence of some of those core features is becoming really present. There have been a lot of big stories in the news, in politics, in pop culture that have come out over the past you know, month or, or few weeks. And as much as I am not a huge fan of Twitter these days, I have found myself going to Twitter to learn more, either Twitter or Reddit, because they have those search features, because they have hashtags or other ways for me to browse trending topics. And that's just something that Threads doesn't have. They have come out and said that they don't want to incorporate search features into threads, or at least that kind of trending box that we're used to on Twitter. But I really, I'm really not sure how that's gonna work out because that is by and large, one of the main reasons people go to Twitter, including myself. With that said, uh, this Mashable article made a really great point that there are a dozen good reasons to leave Elon Musk's Twitter right now, which of course is now called X. Yeah, it's called X. I'm not going to spend too much time on this story, to be honest. Um, Elon Musk decided uh, fairly randomly, if I'm understanding correctly, that Twitter should be renamed to X. Now, I guess it's not super random because I have read that he tried to do this before with other companies that he was in charge of or on the board of or, or whatever. So it seems like he just kind of has some obsession with naming a tech company X. The transition, of course, <laughs> did not go off seamlessly or without without a hitch. Of course, he got in trouble by the city of San Francisco for trying to uh, make changes to the building uh, without a proper permit. He 
had a, a bit of a hard time getting the app renamed on the app store because I guess they have a two character limit. Who'd have known? Um, so it has not went off without a hitch. That's for sure. And I think a lot of people are just failing to understand why he would choose to rename such an iconic brand, right? I still call my threads tweets. It's just out of, out of habit. I say, oh my gosh, I got to tweet about that. Even if I'm talking about threads and to have such an iconic, you know, not just noun, but also a verb and to throw that away, it really makes you wonder. I have seen some deep dive theories by lawyers and, and those types who have said that maybe this is his way of, you know, totally devaluing the brand and just making it fully sink and crash and burn. I'm not a lawyer. I don't really know what all is involved in that, but it certainly is odd, let's just say. You probably already know that Metricool is the primary sponsor of the Freelance Friday podcast. If you don't already know, Metricool is your all-in-one social media management platform that I personally use for my business. It's a must-have tool in the marketing space. And while they do offer a free forever plan, their pro plan unlocks valuable features so that you can grow and maintain your online presence for yourself, your clients, or even your own business. Some of the amazing premium features that are available across the plans are management of multiple brands, customizable links for social media bios, hashtag search engine for Instagram and TikTok, integration with Data Studio for further analyses, and so much more. So be sure to create your free account today and you can upgrade to the premium plan 30 days free of that using my code Latasha at the link in the description. Thanks so much to Metricool for sponsoring today's episode. It's funny. I saw a friend yesterday at an event and I was like, Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. I don't really know what's going on in your world because I haven't been on Twitter. And that's, we were Twitter friends really. And, um, he mentioned, yeah, I know, no worries. Like X, I, I, I haven't been on X lately either. Does it, it sounds like an adult thing, right? Like it sounds very inappropriate to say, I haven't seen you on X lately. I just, I thought that was pretty funny and I agree. I don't know what he's going for there. So anyway, X, the renaming and all of these drastic changes, I think are, in my opinion, Elon's attempt to do something. And it looks like he really does need to do something because according to the BBC, Twitter has lost nearly half of its advertising revenue since Elon's takeover. Elon said the company had not seen the increase in sales that had been expected in June, but added that July was a bit more promising. I'm not sure how surprising this is to people who have been following this kind of um, Twitter story or X story, I suppose I should say, since, you know, late last year. The new CEO, actually former CEO, Elon did appoint a new CEO who has been relatively quiet through all of this, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but anyway, Elon has made a lot of interesting changes to Twitter, including laying off tons of team members, including amplifying some very interesting voices and, uh, you know, that whole verification scandal which enabled basically anybody to get a blue check mark. So understandably, advertisers, I think, are a little bit more hesitant to advertise on Twitter. And we just have to see what happens. But with that said, I think this is why he's making all of these changes is he's trying to figure out a way to make revenue, to earn more money, to turn this ship around. One of the things that he's doing, which is very interesting, is he opened up 
ad revenue sharing with creators. He started out with a select few creators, which surprise, surprise, came with its own share of controversy. I was actually quoted in an article by Taylor Lorenz in the Washington Post for my thoughts on that. But the long story short is some of the first people who popped up with the ad revenue share were very controversial creators like Andrew Tate, for example. And a lot of people had some thoughts on that. With that said, he is enabling it to Twitter blue users and or users who fit a certain criteria of having very high engagement and, and posting a lot. Here's how it works. X is monetizing the ads served in the replies to creators' posts to determine payouts, not the ads served in the main X timeline. This incentivizes creators to post things that encourage a lot of conversation. Now, critics, of course, are saying that this may result in, you know, clickbait and just more and more aggressive and controversial tweets than even before. But honestly, that's not a huge concern for me with this program, because I think that's always kind of been the name of the game on Twitter or X or really social media in general, right? Everybody knows that if you post something people don't like, you will probably get way more engagement, way more comments than if you post something that people enjoy. It's sad, but it's just true. So I, I don't really have many thoughts on this. We'll have to see how this goes. What do you think? If you were invited to this ad revenue sharing program, would you take part in it? I think it's great that he's trying something new, but I do have questions about the stability of the platform. And it certainly wouldn't be something that I would build my business around or plan my life around, but I'm really curious what you think about this one for sure. All right, enough X talk. Let's talk about YouTube. YouTube is announcing some new shorts features, which is quite exciting. If you are a YouTube creator, if you're a social media manager, if you're anyone who has tried shorts, you know that the editor or the platform in and of itself is quite limited. Really, you have to do all of your editing off of the platform and just upload like you would a normal YouTube video, which is fine for people like me who just use shorts to repurpose videos like this. But if you are really looking to create original content specifically for shorts, it's really lacking when you compare it to platforms like TikTok or Instagram. So they are adding new features. One of the features that I'm really excited about, it reminds me of old school YouTube with video responses. Leave a comment below if you remember video responses, but the company is adding the ability to record a video side by side with another clip, similar to the TikTok feature duet. The feature called collab will include multiple layouts and creators will be able to use the effect on shorts and normal YouTube videos. I'm super excited about this. I cannot wait to see my first duet participate in one. I think it will bring back some of that. Like I said, old school YouTube feel that gives that community. I know people find it very hard to grow on YouTube. It is a hard platform to grow on. And I think one of those big reasons is because there's not that level of community involvement and engagement as there are on other platforms like Instagram and TikTok. So we'll see how that goes. Another feature that is coming out that I'm very excited about in regards to shorts, um, this article from The Verge says it's testing new tools to make short form videos from a horizontal YouTube clip, including the ability to zoom and crop the original video. If they add captions to this, I will be able to completely eliminate one of the tools that I currently use to repurpose my YouTube videos. So I really hope that they get on that and I cannot wait to try it out. 
What do you think about this one? I'm excited. I think it's going to make business owners jobs easier, creators jobs easier, social media managers jobs easier. I'm really excited. Another YouTube story from Mashable says that YouTube is testing some AI summaries. So they're starting to test AI auto-generated summaries on YouTube. So it's easier for you to read a quick summary about a video and decide whether it's right for you. Now, these AI summaries are not meant to replace the description like that you could see below my video if you're on YouTube right now. That is written by me, by the creator. So that will not be replaced. My understanding is that these AI summaries are going to show up when you search for a video and you know when you see that kind of teaser text um, or other areas on the web, like maybe Google and things like that. I think that this could be really cool and it could probably save creators time or, you know, I guess it wouldn't really save creators time, but it would help them be discovered. You know, if the AI summary is accurate, if it helps with SEO, if it helps get people to click, then that's great. But there could also be some negative consequences, I guess. All right, let's talk about Meta. So the big news coming out of Meta this past month is this um, Online News Act in Canada. So Canada has passed the Online News Act in June joining a push by numerous governments to force big social media companies to compensate news organizations. Apparently, the Canadian bill is modeled after a 2021 law passed in Australia. This was the first country to enact a legislation like this, and Meta temporarily blocked sharing news links in Australia, but they have now resumed. They came to a deal and lifted the ban. If I'm understanding correctly, uh, governments, you know, the Canadian government is wanting these news organizations to be compensated because I think the argument is that news stories are really building up these social media platforms to reach these wild valuations that they have, you know, to reach this enormous amount of wealth. Meanwhile, the reporters, the journalists, um, you know, the news organizations in and of themselves are not really receiving the benefit for it. I can see the argument, but I think the argument on the other side is that, well, the news organizations are posting these articles themselves. They all have their own, you know, meta accounts, Instagram, Facebook, etc. And so if they are willing participants, why should we block them from getting extended reach on their stories? I am going to assume that they will do something similar to Australia and come to some sort of deal. I find it really hard to believe that Canada will just never be able to see news on social media again. And also what qualifies as news, right? Like there's a lot of gray area there. So um, we'll have to see if you're Canadian, especially I would love to hear from you and um, let me know what you think. Or if you're in Australia and you remember this happening in 2021, I'd love to hear from you in the comments. All right, let's talk about TikTok. I think they have, I know they have seen all of the buzz around threads and they're certainly paying attention to what's going on with Twitter, AKA X, of course. And so they want to get in on the text-based game as well. They are now enabling text posts on TikTok, which very much just look like your Instagram story in create mode. They have additional features like being able to use stickers, tags and hashtags. You can use different background colors and you can even add sounds to your text post. 
as they say, sounds are core to the TikTok experience. It's interesting because I think when TikTok really started to gain traction, a lot of people were comparing it to YouTube and saying they're gonna try to take down YouTube. And don't get me wrong, I still think that there is some competition between the two as noted by YouTube's investments in shorts. Um, but I really think that TikTok is a more close competitor to Instagram and those Instagram features, including threads and stories. So I am very interested to see how they will be used and how that experience will compare to what we're used to on Instagram stories and on threads by Instagram. Only time will tell. I wanted to bring up some headlines that are kind of tangentially related to social media, a little bit less direct. The first of which is the film that nobody can stop talking about. It's Barbie, of course. Let me know if you've seen it. I have not seen it yet, but I kind of want to. I didn't really want to when I first heard about it. I'm not that interested in it, but I'm gonna be honest, the marketing peer pressure has gotten to me. It is everywhere. I'm seeing people posting pictures at the movie theater in the little Barbie boxes. I'm seeing shows about the Barbie dream house. I'm seeing everybody looking all cute in their Barbie pink, and I want a piece of that. And that type of viral inescapable marketing does not come cheap. According to Fortune, the marketing budget for the film was $150 million. Meanwhile, the production budget for the film was just a, a measly $145 million. But listen, the fact that the marketing budget is bigger than production is really something to pay attention to. And listen, there have been plenty of deep dive breakdowns of how exactly that marketing budget has been used. You can definitely check some of those out on YouTube or TikTok, I am sure. It's been really creative, really interesting, but the thing I wanna talk to you all about is just the fact that we need to be comfortable asking for money as marketers. If you're in this space and if you're a business owner, you have to be comfortable spending a little bit of money. Now, don't get me wrong, you don't need $150 million to market your service or product. That is absolutely ridiculous. This is a huge film. It's a global, global effort, right? But you do need something. Gone are really the days of organic freebie marketing. Definitely there are things that you can do. It's free to post a YouTube video. It's free to post a tweet or an X, whatever. But to have a full strategy that touches on all these different facets like social, like billboards, like in-person activations, etc. It requires some budget. It requires some focus. It requires really smart teams. So next time you have a client that is upset that your $10 in Facebook ads did not get them very far, show them this article. Don't lead them to believe that they need 150 million, but it is very hard to get those viral results in today's market without a little bit of budget. Another thing speaking of Hollywood, that I'm watching very closely is the writers and actors strike. The actors actually joined the writers who had already been striking for some time. Last month, there are supposed to be negotiation talks happening today, actually, when this episode drops. So we'll see what happens with that. But the reason I'm paying attention to it is really twofold. The first is Hollywood actors, writers, people who work in Hollywood are kind of the original gig workers. What a lot of people maybe don't necessarily think about or realize, we always think about obviously these celebrities as being hugely wealthy and, and not really having to worry about money. But the fact is the majority of workers in Hollywood are, are gig workers, just like you and I, just like a normal freelancer who, hey, I got paid you know maybe $20,000 to work on this random 
film and I might not get another job for another couple of months. And that's true for actors as well. The majority of actors, the majority of people in Hollywood are not huge wealthy people. And so I think it's really interesting to look at from a freelance perspective to see what is going to happen. The other reason is because when it comes to the influencer marketing world, there is now a lot of overlap. When the idea of influencers or content creators first kind of came out, they were largely shunned by Hollywood. People are like, ah, those silly little influencers. But nowadays we're seeing creators get their own shows, go on to sell the rights to their YouTube shows to turn into full-fledged productions, um, do hosting gigs and so on. And so I think there is a lot of overlap. There was a really interesting article by NBC about the guidance for influencers in particular. Not only are we seeing influencers, some of them join SAG and be represented by that union, but we're also seeing influencers work with some of these big Hollywood studios, production companies, et cetera, on advertising campaigns. We saw this with Barbie. So many of my creator friends got to go to the Barbie premiere. I'm not sure how many of them had paid deals, meaning they were required to post, but so many of them were invited. And so SAG has actually issued specific guidance for influencers regarding the strike, whether you are a part of the union or not. And the TLDR on it is, you know, obviously you can do whatever you want. It's a free country. I personally am standing in solidarity with the writers and the actors because one, I personally think it's the right thing to do. But number two, as a creator, I would potentially be risking any future potential for me to be represented by the union if that was something that I wanted to do, if I ever was on TV or in movies by being a scab, as they call it, and crossing that picket line, you are risking um, not being able to join in the future. So very interesting that they added that kind of additional guidance. I recommend you check it out if you're a creator who wants to join SAG in the future or who tends to post about um, movies and things like that. The last story I want to talk about is a little bit sad, but I think it's an important reminder for all of us. A TikTok plastic surgeon, she just got her license revoked. The reason for that, the board said that Graw is her, her real last name, uh, who originally had her license suspended in November, neglected her patients as she live streamed parts of their procedures, spoke into a camera and answered viewer questions all while the surgeries were taking place. Apparently, some of her patients complained about having complications after their surgeries, and it, you know that prompted the board to look into her social media presence, and they determined that she was being negligent. And I think this is just a really important reminder, like I said, for all of us. Obviously, most of us watching, listening are not plastic surgeons, but we all have a job to do. Many of us create content around our profession, around what we do. And I think it's very important to remember that, you know, just because something goes viral, just because people pay attention to it on TikTok, on YouTube, wherever, does not mean that we should necessarily be posting it. And I know this is like the very unfun old lady thing for me to say. You know, I, I posted recently about how I was having a difficult situation with a client. I could have went way harder. I could have went way deeper. I could have spilled the tea. I know that would have gotten me way more views. That would have been really, you know, exciting for people to watch. But that might have led to me not getting jobs in the future. That might have led to, you know, them threatening me legally or something like that. And I just think it's important that we pay attention to that. I actually had a situation recently where I did a 
do you do you know Jubilee, the YouTube channel? I was on Jubilee. Um, I will link the episode if anyone wants to check it out. A few years ago with my partner, we talked about something that we very much disagreed on um, civilly, respectfully, of course, but there was a kind of, you know, a kind of clickbait moment in there, I suppose, just recently. So this, this video that we did is years old at this point. And just recently I was tagged in a video by a therapist or counselor or something, a psychologist. I don't know exactly what she is responding to it. And I don't wanna you know, attack the person who did this necessarily, but I found it very unprofessional. She very much was using this kind of hot button issue to gain views for her channel or whatever channel she was posting to. And I get it, I get it, I'm a creator, I know the name of the game, no disrespect, I guess. But you know, if that were my therapist, if that were somebody that I was considering hiring as a therapist, I would think it was unprofessional. I actually used to watch a lot of um, therapy channels on YouTube and stopped watching them because I realized like, this is not professional for a mental health professional to be watching reality TV or YouTubers or whatever and criticizing them, digging even deeper to people who already probably are having mental health struggles as it is. So I think to bring it back to this story, I think the same can be true for this. I don't think that, um, I, I would never hire a plastic surgeon or any type of doctor or therapist, anything who had a TikTok account at all. I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, let me know what you think. Am I being way too uh, old school Luddite Latasha, if you will? Let me know in the comments and let me know what you thought of these stories in general in the comments. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Lots of good stuff to dig into, lots of interesting stuff to dig into. And of course, I will keep you updated as these stories continue to unfold. If you're new here, please subscribe to the channel. I post videos every Monday and Friday, and I will talk to you in the next one.